Welcome to the Radical Christian Life with Doug and Paula. We're so excited as we discuss what it looks like to live the radical Christian life, following Jesus no matter the call, no matter the cost. Yeah, so let's get to it. Well, we're back and we're going to follow up with the question that we started last week of which church, why church, all those things. And the question that came in was, why are there so many denominations of the Christian church? And what should I look for in choosing a church to live a radical Christian life? Just the fact that they use that in their question, like made me so happy. Yeah. 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 We love the radical Christian life. It's what we live and uh, yeah, let's just get right into it. Yes, let's jump in. So the question, Doug, today, how do we find the right church? <laughs> well, I think the answer is fairly simple. Uh, let's just see what the Bible says. It's Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it's Jesus. <laughs> yes. Well, it always comes up. But there's a lot of truth in that, isn't it? Yeah. So let me stop. Let's go down that rabbit trail. Okay. But how do you know about Jesus? What, I mean, I'm sure you had dreams oh. and visions of him, and he comes to you at night and dreams and that, but really? Is, mm. that, is that what you base your life on Jesus on? Your dreams and visions? And no, nobody does that. It's because what we no. learn in the Word of God. Yeah. So when people are like, well, you know, I just follow Jesus out of the Bible, and I'm like, well, you don't know about Jesus unless you believe the Bible. So that's yes. why we stand upon the Word of God. <laughs> yeah. And so, yes, Absolutely. it's always right in Sunday school to say, well, who has Sunday school anymore? It's always right in your church <laughs> yeah. group to say, uh, Jesus, but we know about Jesus because our church stands upon the word of God. Yeah. And yeah. so when we look for a church, we might as well go back into the Bible because the Bible has some things to say yeah. about what followers of Jesus should look like as they gather together. And specifically in Acts 2, which is the birth of the church, uh, verses 41 yeah. through 47, very specifically, is the birth of the the church, the yeah, New Testament the church. church right? Yeah, yeah. Let me let's uh, set the context before we read that passage. I actually was having a conversation with our oldest son, Jacob, who's a pastor, and shout out to him for just helping me think a little deeper about this. Because when we talk about the church, he's like, "Well, the church starts in Acts two. If you know mm -hmm. Jesus has ascended to heaven, he told his uh, followers there were 120 of them. He told them to stay in Jerusalem because they were going to receive power. Uh, that we've talked about this before." everybody answers they were going to receive the Holy Spirit. No, Jesus said they're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon them. Acts 1, 8 and Luke 2, 24, 49 talks about they will be clothed with power. Mm. So a little side note, when you see a Christian, just ask, hey, are you living in power? Because mm. Christ gave us power through mm. the Holy Spirit. So anyway, it's a little side note. But yeah. And we know from Acts 2 that on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and the church was born. Why? Mm. Because now the Holy Spirit is not residing in the temple, but he's residing in the temple of the body. He's mm. residing into believers who follow Jesus Christ, and they become what's called born again. Mm. This is salvation, and so that's the church. The church is made up of the big C we talked about last week, the big church. All believers across the world are those who have been born again and have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them, because now they are the temple of God. Mm. And when we come together and worship, it's the it's the temple coming together, individual mm. little temples that come together and worship God. Mm. And so, and then Peter preaches the first sermon when the Holy Spirit's come and 3,000 people get saved and now the church is born. And this is what my son Jacob pointed out. And he goes, Luke gave that descriptor in verses two, chapter 2, verses 41 through 47, describing the activities of the 
first church, and that was must be there for a reason. Mm. It's like, yeah, it's the foundation of what the church should be. These are the essentials of what church should look like. So when you're looking for a church, you should be looking for these things. And if you're in a church, you should be seeing these things. And if you don't, okay, here's what we say as a pastor. Don't go criticize people. Don't go to your pastor. Why aren't we doing this? Why don't do something about it. When mm. people come up to us and say, why don't we do this? Hey, hey, we'll empower you. We'll help you. Go do it. Mm-hmm. So that's what, so don't listen to this with a critiquing eye, uh, ear necessarily to, to put others down. Why doesn't this church do this? Why doesn't my church just, it's how the church you should be going to should be doing these things. And if there's something lacking, well then jump in and do that. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So I want you to read it for us, Paula. So just come to church. Become the church. Yes, that's a great Yeah, sign. yeah. All right, I want to read this. Acts, I'm in Acts 2. So then those who had received his, meaning Peter's, word, they were baptized. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Love that. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all the believers were together and had all things in common. And they would sell their property and their possessions and share them with all to the extent that anyone had need. Day by day, continually with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day, those who were being saved. We probably could end the podcast right there because if we leave every each one of you listening with that passage, Acts 2, 41 through 47, and you study it and you learn it and you apply it, you will find the right church and you'll become part of that church mm-hmm. by doing your part to help it to be all that God wants it to be. Mm-hmm. So let's unpack some of the things we see. So everything we're going to say comes out of this passage. of This is what we look for when we moved. We, we've we moved, moved a lot. lot. We've been part of a lot <laughs> yeah. of churches. Yeah. And, uh, and these and are there's, the things. The, I, let me jump in here because I, I get this question all the time, like trying to find a church church when you move is not always an easy thing. We get that. Don't settle. Yeah. Look for where God has wants you planted. Pray for that. Yeah. Like there are great churches everywhere in tiny small towns and big cities. Yeah. Yeah, and a little side note with that. Yeah, that's a great point. Where can you contribute? Where can you use yes. your gifts to help build the body yes. of Christ? Not where you know, what it's makes you happiest. You. Or what, yeah. We talk a lot about that. <laughs> it's, it's not all about you. It's not. <laughs> yes. So the first thing is, is is there a focus on the gospel? That's number one. Does this mm. church preach the gospel? And that's what we see in Acts 2. It says Peter. I mean, the whole chapter 2 is Peter preaching the gospel. He's talking, if you remember, 1 Corinthians 15. We have podcasts. We have YouTube videos on what is the gospel. Uh, check those out. Shameless plug for our YouTube channel. It's uh, Serving Beyond Borders YouTube channel. And what is the gospel doing that? But Peter's talking about Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, how he died for our sins. In fact, uh, the great passage in uh, verse 242. Uh, I'm sorry, 238, when Paul, Peter says, repent and be baptized, each one of you, for the mm. forgiveness of sins. Christ died for our sins, so we can have forgiveness of sins. And he talks about the resurrection, how Jesus' body did not undergo to de- decay, but was resurrected. <laughs> read his preaching, read his sermon in Acts 2.42. I mean, sorry, Acts chapter 2. And you'll see the gospel, and that's what the emphasis was. Yeah. But the emphasis isn't just preaching gospel. It's about seeing people saved. Is your yes. church 
a holy huddle where it's us four and no more, or is it a church that wants to see people saved? Yeah. Okay. And I, I kind of put a little bit of my input when I read verse 43, but everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Mm. Like, just think about that. People were excited. Yeah. Yeah. And signs and wonders, when it mentions that, signs and wonders are simply signs and wonders to get people saved. It's not so we can, oh, look at my church has miracles. Look at my church. No, a church has people getting saved. The greatest miracle and the reason why little miracles are done. So the greatest, the transformation from death to life, from hell to heaven. So, uh, I mean, we believe in miracles. We talk about it and we're unashamed. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We've seen them. Yeah, but man, the overemphasis on that instead of on salvation. And a lot of those, actually, I want to say a lot of those miracle emphasis churches, a lot of them don't see people saved. Mm. They just want, it's the same 10 people coming forward every week to get a miracle. Mm. Well, that's fine, but that's not what they're for. They're no. So people can see there is a God and God makes a difference in this world. Yes. So you can yes. see we get passionate about it. This we is number do. one. It's if about the gospel. If your church preaches the gospel and sees people saved, then you're in a good church. Yeah. And number two, practice baptism. Yeah. Verse 41 talks about this. Yeah. And for those of you that might attend churches that have infant baptism, um, we're not going to discuss that right now, but what we do want to just point out in this, in this Acts model, is that this is believer's baptism. Now, let me explain a little bit about what that means. That actually means that somebody came to faith and then they were baptized as a public declaration of what took place inwardly. So this specific passage is talking about that. You, you can't open that can of worms and not have me at least <laughs> yes, one rabbit trail. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> let me just say this. So if you go to an infant church that does infant baptism, okay. That's fine. We actually don't, but if you do, but does your church do also adult uh, baptisms? I mean, are there believers being baptized? Because if not, then you're becoming a holy huddle. Only mm-hmm. our church or us who believe are being baptized as infants. Mm-hmm. Well, does that mean you're not preaching the gospel to mm-hmm. somebody who's an adult who's hearing the gospel and getting saved? So, and so, you do have to be careful. That doesn't mean salvation. Yeah. Like if it's a dedication, it's into the body of Christ, it's that type of thing. Yeah. But you just have to be careful. Infant baptism does not save children. Yes, that is for sure. But uh, yeah, again, if you okay, go Okay, you opened it up. No, I opened it up. Okay, <laughs> you took it, it wow, further. Okay, I want to go further. We, go. we have so the much to cover today. coming out. I can't help <laughs> yeah. myself. So, yes, well, it's the next step. So let me just uh, summer. So the first step, always, first thing we're looking for in the church, does a priest a gospel? Does it help people to, uh, follow the next step of what Jesus talked about in the New Testament did. Are you making a public profession of your faith through mm. baptism to let the world know I have died to myself and now I live for Christ? Yes. So that's beautiful why, illustration. Yeah, it's the second thing, and then the third thing it talks about how they were uh, devoted to the apostles' teaching. And does your church hold to the essentials of the faith, the essential teachings of the apostles? And um, this is important. Th- this is actually probably someplace we should camp, but I don't think we're going to camp here, Paula. Mm. I think, yeah, for time's sake, why don't we do a supplementary, supplementary? Supplementary. Yeah, podcast. (laughs) We'll we'll just do a little podcast that we're going to talk about the essentials of the faith. This is so important. It is huge. Yeah. I agree with you. We'll be watch watch for this. Yeah, because we're going to have a little side podcast it, on it, just the specific. Yeah, because when I teach theology, when I teach the essentials of the faith, what we should have unity on. Mm. Um, uh, I, I love to talk about. We don't want to be a church that majors on the minors. Okay, like 
you know, women, you know, women have to have long hair and wear dresses and can't, you know, you went, but we talked about in the last podcast, you know, you got blasted for not having, for having pants on, you know, that's, that's major. Like you can't come to our church unless you, you know, hold to the, whatever, yeah, whatever bizarre little <laughs> doctrine that they want to hold to. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the, I'll give you a, one that's more controversial. The earth is only 6,000 years old. And if you don't believe that, you can't be part of our church. Mm-hmm. Whoa, I think there's going to be people in heaven who don't hold to that. Mm-hmm. Now, they may be wrong. I'm not going to say it. But that's, that's not essential to faith. That's yeah. when you become a fundamentalist. Mm-hmm. You don't want to go to a fundamentalist churches that majors on the minors. Yeah. And likewise, um, if you go to a place that is minoring on the majors, then you become what? Liberal. Yeah. yeah, you start. Well, you know, there's many ways to heaven. Well, I, that Trinity yeah. thing's so confusing. We don't really believe it. Actually, I read about Jesus it. wasn't really God. Yeah, I read a quote Christian church, uh, and and the the woman pastor or preached a sermon in it. She said, "Well, the Trinity is just kind of a man made construct, and you don't really have to believe it uh, in order to follow God." Mm. I was like. That is that's liberalism that's on steroids. An that's exactly. So, so yeah, keep so, watch for this. Yes. We're gonna we are going to do this. So just keep watch. Yeah. So that actually takes us to the next one. So with that, they taught the scriptures. Mm. They were teaching the scriptures. Yeah, they verse dev- forty two really says that, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Voted to the apostles' teaching. Now, have you ever thought about this? What are what are the apostles' teachings? Well, for us, they're called the New Testament. <laughs> they, mm. they, when the early church was gathering the teachings of the apostles, they were looking at the, the mm. different, you know, there's different manuscripts. There were diff- there's the uh, gospel to Peter. There's a book called the gospel of Peter and, and the gospel of Thomas. And they were looking at these in the early church and saying, no, no, these are forgeries. These were not written by true apostles and they are not part of the ta- teachings of the early church of the apostles. And mm. so we have the apostles teaching handed down to us and it's called the new Testament. Now, why do we follow the Jewish Bible? Why do we read the Old Testament? Well, because if you read the New Testament and the apostles' teachings, their teachings is based on the Old Testament because how many books is the Bible? It's, it's one. one. It's one book, one story. Yeah. So, And Jesus quoted the Old Testament quite yeah. frequently. Yeah, if you're church, actually. and you hear about this, you hear about people who call themselves churches that call themselves Christian churches and they get up and they read poetry or they, you know, just... Or they discount the Old Testament. Yeah, 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 exactly. They they don't teach the full counsel of God from the Word of God. So yeah. uh, that's the church you want to be to. Now, does it have to be expository preaching or topical preaching? Or There's freedom in Christ, mm-hmm. but is it teaching the Word of God? Yeah. yeah, yeah, great. And then we want to look at the plurality of leaders and shared leadership. Yeah, this is really important one right now, I believe, because... If you look at it, it says that they, the apostles, you notice that they were devoted to the apostles' teachings, the apostles. It doesn't, doesn't say Peter's teaching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not one man's teaching. It's the apostles' teaching, the yeah. plurality of leadership. And this is so important. I love to make this joke with a lot of uh, Protestant churches. I listen to them, especially some of the non-denominational churches. I look at them and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. You are no different than the Catholic Church, except that they're pope is in rome and your pope is in the pulpit yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. you have this especially separate celebrity mentality now and we have our icon pastors because he's cool he's got on the you know the preachers and sneakers he's got on his clothes and he he's famous he's a great communicator and and people now start following and mm. and then then 
that the, the church becomes about one person. Yes. And we've seen, unfortunately, we've seen this when you have that icon, everything built around one pastor, the church isn't sustainable after he's gone. He may have been a great saint, but it's not sustainable. The church needs to be built upon a plurality of leaders. Yeah. Paul and Barnabas appointed appointed elders into the church in plural. And there's a actually off the top of my head, but Alexander Stronch, uh, I think is how you pronounce his name. Biblical eldership is the name of the mm-hmm. book, and it is a strong argument for plurality of leadership in the church and how God has always done it that way. Even with Moses, he had Jethro give him counsel. He had, you know, Miriam and and Aaron were there with him, Joshua and stuff. So New Testament and the apostles. Yeah. Great point. Um, And then also the church is to empower people for ministry. It says they devoted, they broke bread they were selling possessions and helping each other. They were taking meals together. Yeah, Paul, you're a high-level leader at uh, uh, Radiant Church in Tampa, Florida. So what what does this mean to you? How do you see this fleshing out when you think about ministry and empowering people? Well, after being in ministry for a long, long time, um, not just here, you know, the goal is always to help people to take ownership of of ministry. I mean, I said it early on and I believe it. We just don't come to church. We become the church. And, you know, if you're a consumer and not a contributor, you're missing out on what Jesus has for you. And, you know, there's been times for a while I led the small group system at our church and people would come up with these great ideas and I would say, yeah, do it. Like I will do everything to empower you and help you do that. But when we start thinking that just leadership can take um, an idea and make it happen, well, that can happen. But the idea that, that it all has to be a pastor or a priest or a whoever, a minister or a leader, um, that we're, we're missing out on the very thing that Jesus had said in this model, they they. Yeah. And 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the body of Christ and how each part of the body is important. Yes. You are just as important as the pastor of the church, as the elders of the church, mm-hmm. the deacons of the church. Everybody is equally important. They just have different functions, but yeah. they're so important. And if you take out one part of that function, then you miss out in, in many, many ways. 1 Corinthians 12. I love it. Paul writes, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. And yet most people are ignorant about know, spiritual gifts. I know. <laughs> no. Isn't that so funny? I mean, he, he knew. Yeah, he knew. Exactly. And so discovering your spiritual gifts, having your church training you and unleashing you in your giftings. And uh, wow, that will make the church. And you should be part of a church or yeah, you should be helping that, your church. It's encouraging that. Yeah. And if you don't know about spiritual gifts, write us at info at servingbb.org. We have some great websites that we can send you to. That would help you with this and help you understand this a little bit more because I think that that is something that a lot of people don't know. They think that they're natural gifts. Sometimes they are. Sometimes God uses those natural gifts to bring them into spiritual. But what we want to say about this is spiritual gifts build up the body of Christ. That's the purpose. We're camping camping on this one because that's the so many people when they look at church, they're judging it by what's the church doing mm-hmm. and not how can it help me what and what I can do. Does it have, what yeah. is it to? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. So, so yeah. Now go the, to a church that empowers you to do ministry. Yeah. Now the next one is it's, is 
finding a church that has a focus on prayer. Yes. Prayer is one of those things everyone talks about, but very few actually do it. I've never, I always love to joke about this. I've never met too many people in my life when I'm talking to them about their spiritual life. They say, you know, my biggest problem is I'm praying too much. I got to slow down. <laughs> Gosh, I'm always spending all relate time with praying. This, yeah, we? we all yeah. have a little tinge of guilt. And so, yeah. I mean, I don't want, you know, does your church have a 24-7 prayer group that's meeting, you know, and all that? I, don't, I want to be show grace in this, but is there an emphasis on prayer? Yeah. It says that the, they devoted themselves to prayer. Yes. And is there a place, if you want to pray with people in your church, that you can go to? Uh, a lot of churches, they'll have a Sunday morning while service is going on. They have people praying for salvation and for the word being preached and for the worship and God being glorified during the worship and praise time mm-hmm. and and joining that. But if your church does not have a designated prayer meeting or prayer time, well— Something's wrong. And Start I, it. I know. You're being called right <laughs> if, now on this if podcast. There's a, if there's a little bit of the you that just goes, oh, yeah, yes, you're, there's a yeah. little conviction or whatever, start it. Yeah. And yeah, that that's a whole podcast in and of itself. That is. So that is. We should do one on prayer. I don't think we've done one on prayer yet. I don't and think yet, we have. We've learned so much over the years. I was just in a meeting the other day. <laughs> Let's go to Rabbit Trail. If, if, you've, <laughs> if you're listening to this, if you've never prayed Korean style, that's what we call it. A, a lot of people around the world call it. I don't know why. I don't know either. Yeah, well, the Koreans it do it. That's Korea. why I yeah. became famous, I think, through especially uh, Paul Cho just passed away just a few weeks ago, the pastor of the world's largest church, the Uido Full Gospel Church. And he was very influential. And so maybe that's where it comes from. And, and we served on the mission field. And there are a lot of Korean missionaries. And we love the Koreans and their zeal for missions. Fervor. But yes. But Korean style means everyone in the room starts praying at the same time, just starts praying out loud. And a lot of people get turned off by this. Like, ah, it's too confusing. I'm hearing these different things and I love it. Mm, uh, I do it, too. And especially yeah. when people are praying in the spirit, there's just this natural, it crescendos and people are like almost shouting and crying out to God. And with no leader, no orchestration, it just kind of naturally dies down. Mm-hmm. And, and what I love about that, it reminds us, God can hear us all at once. Yeah, God is God. <laughs> That's so amazing, you know. Like, and it reminds us: you pray out loud. You don't pray thinking; you pray out loud. Wow, yeah. we're already doing some teaching. So yeah. your church yeah. should be excited about praying. I'm yeah. getting excited talking about it. And yes. I was just in a prayer meeting at a church the other day, and they did that Korean style, and you could see some people were uncomfortable, but then they got it. It's mm. about talking to God. It we is. need to intercede for our church and pray and have people praying yes. and have intercessors. So, yes, yeah. start it if your church doesn't have it. And if it has it, be part of it. Yeah. Make sure it's a and at our church, church that we attend, we love this because we have the saying, pray first. And yeah. we do. Every meeting that we go into, everything that we do is is shored up with prayer. We actually have um, bands that we wear on our arms that say, pray first. And it's amazing because all around Tampa, you'll see these. Yeah. Yeah. Well, serving, I have it on my wrist right now, we Paul. We do. You know yes. that serving beyond borders has a pray yes, first bracelet too, but ours has a donkey on it to remind us to be servants. So yeah, there, that's, that's right. unique. So twofold. Yeah. There so we there go. go. And so the next one, oh, the next one's my favorite. Mm. Nah, I don't know. They're all my favorite. <laughs> I guess I'm going to jump yeah. in here. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what happens when you look up at me and yeah, like, oh, like, yeah, okay, no, I yeah, yeah, I guess I should throat. pay attention. Yeah, that's, that's right, yeah. The next one is big gatherings versus small groups. Yeah. And this is a huge part of Acts 2, isn't it? Yeah. Especially in verse 46, where they 
went together to temple and then they went house to house. Yeah. Now, temple meaning in that time it was the temple, and today that would be church. Yeah, because it's where that corporate body gathered to worship. That's how they worship corporately was in the temple. So you should be part of a corporate gathering that worships God and gives glory to God and hears the teachings of the apostles Mm -hmm. through the preaching of the word. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we meet people that all the time and people always, they don't, I don't want to go to church. I don't believe in church. Ah, I'm busy on Sunday mornings or whenever your church meets. Sunday mornings is traditional. First day of the week, First Corinthians 16. That's why the church gathered the first day of the week, mm. the resurrection day. And oh, I don't have time for church and all that. Well, that's just wrong. And we all quote Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together is the habit of son of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. And that's the famous passage we use to encourage people to come to church. But I say no. Acts 2. No, you say no. I say no. Don't go to that (laughs) passage first. Go to Acts 2 first, because the very Mm. first church, they were gathering to worship. They were going to the temple. Then they were meeting house to house. Mm. You also need to be part of a small group. And uh, actually, you and I just talked about this. We've been a little Mm. bit convicted. For years, we were always leading house churches. We Mm -hmm. were always leading house groups, Mm -hmm. house churches, house groups, however you want to call it, small groups, cell groups, life groups, (laughs) whatever you want to call it. But we always had people in our house Mm -hmm. doing life together. And Mm -hmm. especially on the mission field, we saw it all, you know, people always in our house. We have so many disciples through that. And lately we've kind of gone individualistic, doing men's studies, doing women's studies. And we've kind of lost a little bit. We got to get get back to the house meetings. Yeah. Because that's where life takes place. Is that multi-generational learning and growing from each other. Yeah. Some of our closest friends have come out of that and still remain that. Yeah, exactly. And I was actually, I was just in Texas and being part of a church and I went to a life group actually. Um, it, it was probably one of the most impactful things I've had happen to me in a long time. Mm. That's Why? saying something. What happened? Because I saw life, I saw church being done in one of the most beautiful ways. They worshiped and mm. they just put on a, a iPhone and played some worship. But people were singing. People wow. were standing and people were kneeling. People were holding their hands up. Others were just having their heads down quietly. And just a freedom of worship. Mm. And and then they were praying for one another. They did a time of prayer. And, and some of the leaders and, and, and the more mature believers were praying over and going over and laying hands and praying over people. And, and I saw a woman who was going through one of the most difficult things I've ever heard a woman go through share it mm. and they prayed for her. wow you know you're not going to go in on sunday morning and say hey doug, yeah, doug was a jerk with secrets. me this morning uh, he was a D- doug just was being one of those husbands i couldn't take it. we got in a big fight and i just wanted you know pray ask you to pray for me you, i've never heard you do that and i have been kind of a jerk sometimes no, not a jerk that's a no, little harsh right? yes. have we ever had a fight on a sunday morning before church um, remember back in the day yeah. yeah, that's called having yes. kids. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, getting them ready for church. No, but you're not going to, conf- sorry, being weird there, but you're not going to confess your sins on yeah. Sunday morning during a service. Yeah. Is there a group of people where you can do life, yeah. you can have prayer, you can confess, you can ask for help? And and literally, you've, you we hear these stories, we've been part of them where somebody shares a other. need. and Because yeah. it says in there that they were selling their possessions and sharing with one another. Mm. Well, we give our tithes, yes, we give our tithes to the church, big gathering, but we we also give it to the small gathering and helping each other out. You hear a need in your small group, the small group gets some money together. And we've heard some amazing testimonies of that. Yeah, we really have. 
And then one other aspect of this is, is it a social club, a theological school or a hospital? Verse 47, like this whole idea of what are we there for? Yeah, some, some, it's not a social club. You're not there just to make connections and help right. your business grow because you're making connections or, right. you know, finding your mother's group to, you know, have some other babysitters and share around. Those are great things. I'm not saying those things aren't outcomes, but it's not a social club. Mm-mm, mm-mm. And then you, you don't want it to be, you know, we're the church that, you know, like I call it the holy huddle, us four and no more, you know, but mm-hmm. we get into the word. Nobody's getting saved. Nobody's life's getting changed. But man, we get deep in the Bible and we have Bible study, Bible study, Bible study. Are you doing anything with the Bible knowledge? Yeah. No, the church. Is it played out in action? Are yeah. you doing anything yeah. to serve other people yeah. and all of that? It needs to be yeah. a hospital. Yeah. We say that a lot at our church. We do. Yeah. We're not a hotel. We're a hospital. Yeah. And that's great reminder. And here, why don't you read that story? I, I've had that in my file for years. Uh, if you have heard me, I've talk, mentioned him in a couple other podcasts. Fred Smith was a, a lay leader. That's what reminds us. You don't have to be a pastor to have spiritual biblical wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. And he tells a story. Yeah. He says, if you were arrested for drunken driving on Saturday night and it was in the paper on Sunday morning, would you go to church? Well, most people, as we can understand, would respond, I think I'd let it quiet down, and then after a few weeks, I'd go back. Fred laughs and shows the silliness in the logic by the following illustration. That's just as if a man had been hit by a car and he's hurt. Just as the ambulance is ready to take him to the hospital, he says, guys, wait a second. I look horrible. Let me go home and tape up these ribs, wash up a bit, put on a new suit, and then I'll go to the hospital. The church is a hospital for sinners. And the one place you ought to go when you've sinned is the church. Wow. I think that's about the exact opposite of what most of us think. And even when I first heard, I remember I heard that years ago, and I was just shaking. I was like, I wouldn't wouldn't go to church. Yeah, we'd be embarrassed. We wouldn't want people to know. Yeah, and it's like, are we a forgiving people? Because the church should be forgiving because as what's Ephesians 4, Mm -hmm. 4.31 say, you know, Mm be tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Yeah. We should be a wow. forgiving church, and that's where we should come when we mess yeah, up. Yeah, we come alongside someone and help them, don't we? Yeah, yeah. What What did they say when somebody admits their sin? Don't rub it in, rub it out. You mm. know, that's a, mm. you know, don't, don't don't pile on what they've done. They, that's why they're in church, to, to seek forgiveness, to yes. seek help, to seek yeah. encouragement. Yeah, absolutely. We're a hospital. Yeah. I think, let's just end. I mean, those are... Why don't we recap that for a second, though? We went through quite a few things, but if we you did. just look at Acts 2.42, first thing is just make sure your church, or if you're looking for a church, that it preaches the gospel. Yeah. That's the first one. Yeah. Make sure that they practice baptism, yeah. that you can see people's lives regenerated. Yeah. Public profession of faith. That's right. Number three, are they focusing on the essentials of the faith, the apostles' teachings that are the ma- are they uniting? Are they a church that thinks we're the only church or that, no, we're part of the bigger body of mm-hmm, Christ, but mm-hmm. we're just an expression of it. I love when our church prays for other churches in the yeah. local area. And yes, we do yeah, that. Encourages I love that them. too. Yeah. Exactly. Does it teach the scriptures? Are you actually looking at scriptural things or are you a TED Talk? Yeah. Yeah. Are you based on one person or is there shared leadership? So keep accountability, keep balance so that we don't go wayward by following a man instead of the man, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Is your church empowering people for ministry? To do the work of ministry. Yeah. Is there, is there a prayer meeting anywhere? <laughs> is there people praying in your church? And yeah. is there a focus on that? Yeah. 
We have big gatherings and small groups. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and you should be part of both. <laughs> We're just yes. going to say it. If you want to grow and live the radical Christian life, you will be part of both. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And last, is it a social club, a theological school, or a hospital? Is your church a hospital where hurt people can get help and get healing and find forgiveness and find salvation and find empowerment? Yeah. And I want to end with this uh, quote by Kent Hughes. He writes in The Disciplines of a Godly Man. Church attendance is infected with a malaise of conditional loyalty, which has produced an army of ecclesiastical hitchhikers. <laughs> That's a great it's phrase. A great phrase. It is. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Let me start again because I stopped. I want to keep the flow going. It just caught me because I love that. Church attendance is infected with a malaise of conditional loyalty, which has produced an army of ecclesiastical hitchhikers. The hitchhiker's thumb says, you buy the car, you pay for the repairs, you pay for the upkeep and the insurance, you fill the car with gas, and I'll ride with you. But if you have an accident, you're on your own, and I'll probably sue. So it is with the credo of so many of today's church attenders. You go to the meetings and serve on the boards and committees. You grapple with the issues and do the work of the church and pay the bills, and I'll come along for the ride. But if things don't suit me, I'll criticize and complain and probably bail out. My thumb is always out for the better ride. Yeah, that is so good. And that's what we mean. Don't be a consumer, a contributor, consumer, be a contributor. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be a hitchhiker looking for the next best thing. You get in and help make the body of Christ what it's supposed to be. The beautiful bride waiting for her savior to come back for her. Thanks for listening. And thanks for you being part of the bride of Christ. Thanks for listening to the Radical Christian Life with Doug and Paula. I think it's at this time we're supposed to do some pitch like hit the subscribe button or donate, but we just want to say, do what you want. We trust way more in the sovereignty of God than in the Christian industrial marketing complex. You just keep living radical for Jesus, and so will we, and let's watch how he blesses us all. We'll see you next time.